Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is where Nexium really stands out. People had to be branded. It was right here. That's its keloid. Wow. How did they do this? With a cauterizing pen. No anesthetic. No numbing. Imagine your skin being sliced open by a small, thin laser. Who did this on you? A woman named... It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting episode with me, Viola Benson, your host, your best friend, your big sister, the mother that breastfeeds you, your father, your (laughs) ex-boyfriend. You're literally everything, okay? Call me whatever you want, just never stop calling me. So as you know, this month, it is all about cults, where we are diving into everything culty and hearing from many different survivors and experts from all around the world. Last week, in case you missed it, we had our first week of the month of October where we met with a survivor from Children of God. The episode got so much positive feedback, so definitely go check it out and listen to it in case you missed it. It's amazing, and it definitely gives you a different perspective of the survivors and what they've gone through. The episode is currently on YouTube and on all on my podcast on every single streaming live platform. But today we are focusing on Nexium. I would be very surprised if you never heard of this cult. It was very, very huge, popular trial happening around 2018, 2019, still going till last year. They also had a documentary about them a year or so ago, and the part two is coming out next week. Nexium is a vile sex cult that was masked as a multi-level marketing company, an MLM company, which many of you wanted me to cover MLM companies, so this is kind of in that category, along with it being an insane sex cult that involved so many women, including famous women, including actor... Allison Mack from Smallville, who is currently in jail for this. Before we get into this episode with my guests, I do want to give you a trigger warning. All of the episodes this month will have a trigger warning for sexual abuse survivors, for sexual assault survivors, and anything like that. So if you feel like you may get triggered, do not continue listening to this episode since I really dive into the abuse the mental abuse, the physical abuse, and everything behind of what it was like to be a survivor in this cult, life post it, and all of that. If you do want to listen to something else instead of a cult episode, this week on Tuesday, I did have a dating episode where it's about right person, wrong time, the truth behind that. So if you want something a bit lighter, go ahead and listen to Tuesday's episode. I got also amazing feedback to that. And it also gives you nine steps to move on 
if you choose to move on from your partner. So hopefully you get to enjoy that episode and also last week's episode that's currently on YouTube with a survivor from Children of God. Before we fully dive into this episode with my guests, I do want to give you guys a brief status update of Nexium today and where it stands. So in March of 2018, founder of Nexium, Keith Rainier was arrested in Mexico and was faced with charges that he forced women to engage in sex. In the affidavit filed as a part of the criminal complaint, an FBI agent stated that Keith maintained a rotating group of 15 to 20 women with who he maintained sexual relations. In July of 2018, the Nexium case widened as a superseding indictment charged Keith and five women with rocketeering conspiracy involving many crimes. So a rocketeering conspiracy is a RICO case. It is very hard to even get a case like this. That is why this Nexium corruption is so huge. It's basically Rocketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act. That's why Nexium was a really big deal aside from Allison Mac from Smallville being involved. In 2018, the Nexium case widened as a superseding indictment charged Keith and five women with rocketeering conspiracy involving many crimes such as identity theft, extortion, forced labor, sex trafficking, money laundering, wire fraud, and obstruction of justice. Keith was also charged or accused of child molestation. Just a side note. In March of 2019, Nancy Salzman, co-founder of Nexium, pleaded guilty to identity theft and altering of records to influence the outcome of the Nexium case. Later that same month, Nancy Salzman's daughter pleaded guilty to rocketeering and rocketeering conspiracy. The following month in April, Smallville actress Allison Mack pleaded guilty to rocketeering and rocketeering conspiracy charges as well. This is kind of when the case became so huge and so well-known because everyone was so shocked that someone like Allison Mack was involved in this. Not only was she involved in this, she was one of the high-up people in Nexium cult. And she basically was in charge of the slaves beneath her, which were all the women following orders. It was She was known as a slave owner. Pretty wild. And then finally, Claire Bronfman, a Harris to the Seagram Company, pleaded guilty to identity theft and immigration fraud. Fast forward to this present day, Keith is in prison right now, facing a life sentence of 120 years. Keith's trial was so insane because he accused the judge of corruption and demanded a new trial twice, of which both times he was denied. In a court filing in September, Keith's lawyer stated that Keith is not sorry for his conduct or choices. So no remorse there. As for Claire Bronfman, she is currently serving six years and nine months in a minimum security federal prison in Philadelphia. But because she is so wealthy, there are rumors that she is still running the business from inside and continues to intimidate and try to silence any victims that have tried to speak up using anywhere from threats to legal action. As for Allison Mack from Smallville, she was sentenced to three years in prison last year and is currently serving her sentence. So it is safe to say that the downfall of Nexium hasn't been a simple one. But now, today, I'm welcoming my guest, Sarah Edmondson and her husband, Nippy, who, by the way, I flew all the way to Atlanta, Georgia to do this interview. I am so excited for this interview because they are also the whistleblowers and behind the downfall and the end of Nexium. They were one of the first victims to speak up and part of the reason this RICO case was brought to light and was brought to justice. I'm welcoming my guests today to share with us their story as survivors, what it was like on the inside, how they even became a part of it, what made them want to leave, and life post this cult. So 
Thank you for joining us, besties. Get ready for another amazing episode. And before we dive into this episode, I do want to remind you that I have my Hollywood Improv show the end of this month. There's very few tickets still left. So if you will be in Los Angeles the end of this month, October 24th, I have a show at the Hollywood Improv, just one show, 50 minutes. It's going to be part stand-up, part life advice podcast. This episode will only come out in December, so you will not get to catch it unless you come live, okay? Tickets are only $20, so do not be a cunt and do not be cheap. I will also be doing a meet and greet afterwards, so you will get to meet me, make out with me, lick my butthole, whatever you want. You know, save my pubic hair for yourself, for your little shrine. I'm cool with it. I don't mind. Although I am lasered, so you may not get any pubic hair from me, but maybe there's some butthole hair still left because for some reason that still grows. I don't know why, but you know, it is what it is. You know, beggars can be choosers. Anyway, (laughs) tickets are on sale and it's currently in the bio of the description of this episode and also in the bio of all of my social media platforms. So go get your tickets before it completely sells out. I can't wait to meet you. I'm so excited to see you guys. It's going to be an amazing show. I know this for a fact. So get your tickets right now. And now that you've finished getting your tickets, get ready for another amazing episode. I hope you love it. And if you love it, please remember to give me a five-star review on the podcast app if you're able to do so, because it really helps me. And that's how I know that you really love this episode. All right. Enjoy. Hi, guys. I'm Viol Benson. Welcome to another brand new episode of Almost Adulting. Today's episode is all about Nexium. Today, my special guests are Sarah and Nippy, who are previous members of Nexium. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for <laughs> being here. So, you guys also have a podcast. Your podcast is called A Little Colty. A Little Bit Colty. Yes. A Little Bit Colty. <laughs> a Little Bit Colty. It's Mondays and Thursdays every week. And you guys also check out my episode on their podcast. It's, it's really fun. We talk about a lot of different things. Before we dive in, I thought that maybe first you guys can kind of give me an idea of if someone never heard of Nexium. Like, well, I have heard of it, but for example, I used to call it. And XIVM until I realized Fair. it's Nexium. <laughs> if someone never heard of it, what does it stand for? The thing with Nexium is what we thought it was and then what it turned out to be. So what we thought we were doing for 12 and 16 years respect- respectfully is a personal development program. So we thought we were entering a curriculum and a community of basically a goal-setting program. And the idea was to help you work through your personal limitations so that you could fulfill your potential, whatever that was. So this is the height of the human potential movement, mid-2000s when we joined. And what it turned out to be was an educational system, a community, all those things. It was designed as like the honey on the outside of a rotten apple. And what was on the inside was a man who was using that curriculum, the good stuff, to lure people in, mostly women, for money, sex, and power. And once people were fully dependent on the group, they'd been indoctrinated enough that they believed in the belief system that he set up so that he could have control over these women to basically do his bidding. And I know that sounds like a big leap, but I can explain more along the way. Yeah, well, Nexium it started as a wellness company. So uh, that term, MLM, uh, multi-level marketing. So it's kind of like Avon and stuff like that, but then it turns into a cult. So I read that he was going after people's insecurities. I think that's how every cult starts. But at what point do you think it went from a wellness company to it being a cult? 
First, let me address the insecurities okay. aspect, because I think that it's true that all cult leaders are harnessing somebody's insecurities. is hard because it also implies like a weakness. When someone feels lost, I think it's the easiest yeah. to target them. That's definitely a main time that people find. Like I certainly, that's when I joined. But I think also cult leaders are looking for people who can run their company. And they also need people who are idealistic. So all cults have a a vision of somehow like making the world a better place, some mission. Ours was not religious. You'll see a lot of the other cults are like, you know, they're saving the world God. from God, you know, yeah. from Satan and the end times are coming and they have to save everybody. Ours was more like the mission was to help people become more integrated. Like imagine if the world leaders had these tools, we wouldn't bomb each other. We wouldn't send a nuclear warhead to another country because we'd be one whole humanitarian community. Wouldn't that be amazing? Of course. So we were trying yeah. to like... It was also case yeah. by case. Yeah. I mean, for me, the appeal was it was a goals program. And for me, as someone who really believes that structure and discipline are really good tools to achieve things, this provided a different kind of structure of getting you to address your personal limitation as it pertains to the pursuit of whatever it is that you want. And it really did a good job of eliciting information from you to get you to spot it. So there was a curriculum that was in it, particularly the goals lab, where you could do certain, set your goals and have someone check in with you like a life coach. When you guys are talking about it right now, it feels really structured and there's goals and it almost kind of, because how does it go from a little goal type of structure to being a documentary about the fact that it's a cult and people were getting branded and all that? Great question. So one of the things we loved about The Vow is that the filmmakers did a real service for us. The Vow is a documentary on HBO. Yes, thank you. And it showed in the first episode what we thought we were building, what we thought the community represented. And to the point where people would message me and be like, I'm sorry for teasing you for so many years of being in a cult. Now I get it. Now, like, now I want to join, even though they even know that it's... And then by the second episode, they're like, <laughs> glad I didn't join that because right. it goes downhill. So what? how does it work? It It's a slow progression. For people who took the curriculum, and there's 18,000 people total, as you know, all over the world, most of them took a five-day training, got a bunch of tools for life, put it in their tool belt, and went back and live their lives. It was the people that moved to New York, moved to Albany, started companies with Keith Ranieri, started making it their whole life, put aside their other goals, and went further and further and closer to the inner circle. The cult isn't the whole thing. Right. The outside is a personal development program. It's almost like a pipeline to a small little inner inner circle around Keith Ranieri. That's where the abuse was happening. That's where the weird sex stuff was happening. Most Stuff of people, that made the news. Yeah, so that's but why. I think the entire time, the indoctrination was going on, and it was slow. Yeah. Right? Because how many years were you guys a part of Nexium? 12 and 16, well, off was, and on. You were I in was and out. in for two years, then I left. Mm-hmm. But I didn't leave, like, under, like, any bad situations. I just wanted to take the tools and go right. live my life. I didn't want to be a lifer. And then slowly, I just got working on certain things, and I was there. And next thing you know, I was teaching some of the curriculum, but still having goals outside the program. But they didn't really... They weren't in pursuit. I was okay. indoctrinated, if that makes sense. So then you were there on and off for 16 years. Right. You were there 12, 12 years. years. And then were you guys already married at that time? We met there. No, we met there. You yeah. met there. Yeah. Okay. And then how long have you guys been out of Nexium? We've been out for five years five now. Five years. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Nexium seemed like it was focused a lot more on luring women in, and we'll explain later why it was more involved with women. But what's interesting for me before I fully dive in, it's kind of the, the differences between why a man joined this and a woman joined it. So it seems like for you, it was more had to do with the goals and you liked how structured it was. Ah. <sighs> 
The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, also, the person that was sharing it to me was my old high school girlfriend, and I was still interested in her. Totally honest. I mean, that was yeah. one of the reasons. Yeah. Okay. But you also like the structure. That's yeah. kind of what— Well, yeah. I mean, it took her a year and a half, and then she was like, you know, a couple friends have done it. And I was like, what's the worst that could happen if I go check it out? But I was, yeah. it was more for her at the time, and I was like, oh, there's some good stuff here. And then for you, it came from a, a place where maybe you were lost at the time, or you needed lost, guidance? Lost in that— you know, as an actor slash waiter looking for a more meaningful career, I didn't find that acting was particularly meaningful. And I also really craved community. And that was a real draw for me. I wouldn't say I was lost. I mean, I was like mid-20s lost, you know? It was a healthy loss. It was yeah. questioning, like I think. A lot of people you, actually joined Nexium around in their late 20s at the time when they're like really exiting being a teenager and start setting, <laughs> almost adulting, <laughs> almost there. And they're, and they're looking. I've noticed a lot of the survivors that we've spoken to are people that got into their groups at a time when they were in some sort of transition, end of a divorce, end of a career, becoming an adult, trying to figure out what they wanted to do in life. Or they're, you know, truly lost vulnerable people. There's a mixture. Right. Well, I think there's different definitions to everything. So obviously my definition and meaning of feeling being lost can be different than yours. So I understand where you were coming with the explanation. And I do think what's been interesting through the interviews that I've done this month, um, the word community continuously comes up. But the community is interesting because there's a whole research behind it. And it says that humans can't survive without a community. So that's kind of where it comes a sense of needing a community because mm -hmm. back in the old days and when people were in cavemen, mm -hmm. the only way that you were able to survive would be part of a community. And I think humans now still end up kind of migrating towards it. And a lot of people maybe even are part of some quote-unquote cult without the actual definition. They don't right. even realize it. My response to that, to people who think that would not happen to me, yeah. that, I was that guy, exactly. right? And I think if you adopt a position of this can't happen to me, I'm not susceptible to this, in a lot of ways you're the most susceptible to it. Because if you think that you're not, you're not really going to be sensitive to the precursors of indoctrination and coercive control. So yeah. that, that kind of mentality of it can't happen to me actually creates the blind spot for it to happen in a lot of ways. And yeah. I can't tell you how many people tell me that they would never fall for it. And then they tell me about some other thing that they do. I'm like, that's a cult. You don't even like, we've <laughs> yeah. done an episode so it's on really, it. Like it's, time and time again, it's uncanny. I'm like, really? No, it's funny. It's kind of like the conversation we had before we started recording. And I said, well, I wouldn't be able to be gaslit by this person. And then as he's talking about that, I'm just like, oh, shit, maybe. Be, maybe I would be the mm -hmm. perfect target then. <laughs> well, you might not be now. I, I actually think that in some ways you're right because you're so 
tuned into all these things that are happening in the world, you're hypersensitive. We're talking about 2005. There wasn't right. all these documentaries right. about, I mean, like you said, gaslighting is a super overused word. Narcissism is a Not super. Not 15 over- years ago. I'm interested of knowing, was in, anyone able to join Nexium at the time? It was technically it was invite only, but I think if someone heard of it and and approached one of us, we wouldn't have turned anyone away unless you were a therapist or a like a counselor, anyone in the mental health field or a business consultant. And they told us it was that sounds be- like a red flag. I was, it, it, it is, is now. A red flag. Yeah, it is a red flag. <laughs> it wasn't red at the time, but yeah. it is now. And we we were told it was because if they took our curriculum, there's no way they couldn't like use it and well steal it. What is your definition of a cult? Well, in the cult space, all the experts actually can't agree. There isn't, there isn't a specific accepted definition, but across the board, they have a list of all the characteristics. And some of them are consistent. Most of them are consistent. Don't you think, between the all biggest the one is its consequences if you leave. Like what, if yeah. they do things to you when you leave, like make it hard for you to leave. And then when you leave, are you shunned? Is, there, is it problematic for you to interface with the people that were part of your community because you're no longer on board? Yeah, well, people talk ones. to you if you yeah. leave. And across the board, there's also very specific things about how they control certain aspects of your life. Why do you think it's so important for any cults to kind of separate themselves suddenly from regular people and the whole thing about getting shunned? Because that seems to be a kind of reoccurring mm-hmm. thing with everyone yes. that I interview from cults or different religions. One of the red flags that we know now is that the, that's called isolation. So first they want to separate you from the outside world, make you feel better than everybody else. So that's an us and them mentality or black and white thinking. So we're better. We're, we're the right ones. We're the special ones. We're the chosen people. There's a righteousness to that, and there's like they, sometimes the group actually takes on the ego of the leader, so they have a collective sort of narcissistic ideology. We're totally yeah, guilty totally of this. Totally guilty of that. We like we would meet. We're people. moral supremacists. Yeah, is what I called it. Yeah, we really were. We thought we <laughs> knew everything we more we than had, anybody else, yeah. and that was a key part of this. So they're isolated, and then also creating that division. So that if I had a concern or a problem with anything going on in the organization, I wouldn't go to somebody outside the organization. I'd go internally because we believed that therapists were. Crazy, just like how some big <laughs> other groups have written off psychological fields. So if I had a, any emotional problem I had, like I don't like what's happening or I'm feeling uncomfortable with being asked to blah, 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 I would go to a higher ranking person within the company and then get gaslit, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Basically, in this, in this context is that my concern gets flipped back on me. So if I'm like, you know, I don't actually want to get branded. I don't, I don't have a tattoo. I'm Jewish. I don't want anything on my body. Well, can you see how that might be um, your own fear? And can you do you understand that this is a symbol for your growth? And why wouldn't you want to choose your growth more than it? So there's a series of questions that you can be— That are leading. That are leading based on a belief system. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting um, how it trickles in and is so similar to a lot of therapy in general. Right. And that's what's always so interesting when I've been doing these interviews. It's hard not to get mixed up with, I've talked, I've spoken like this, like Mm -hmm. I've given Mm -hmm. pep talks like this. It's interesting how it goes from helpful to harmful. One thing about Nexium that we were talking about is that it was considered, quote unquote, personality cult, right? Mm -hmm. It's a term that we've never heard before um, with other cult-like groups. So can you tell me what that is and why Nexium is considered? Because I thought it was a sex cult. We laugh about this all the time. It's not really funny, but a lo- most cults are sex cults. There's some nefarious or... Three things. Yeah, sex, money, and power. All of them seem to have the man at the top, if it's a man, 
It's basically he creates himself a little community and a safe haven to be a pedophile. It's like, let's create a system where we slowly blur the lines of what is appropriate. like this, Or what is abuse. And what is abuse. It's really what it is. Yeah. Like Keith actually said, and this is something came up in the Children of God, is like, how do you make a law around sex and what is appropriate? Like in other countries, the age of consent is 12 or 13. So why is it wrong here in America? So like he had people questioning boundaries and beliefs same way as um, David Berg of Children of God. With that, they kind of told the children, you know, if you see people having sex, you know, join in, watch. It's very normal. And they always encourage everyone to kind of swap partners and do everything. So then you're just free with your body and you're closer to God that way. It's gross. But with Keith being a pedophile, I mean, wasn't this community more for grownups? How how The grownups had children. And listen— this is we're talking about he started relationships with women when they were very young, like 14, 15, and continued to. And not only that, like when you asked, when does it go from a personal development to a cult? He started this community with a harem of women. He lived with a number of women, and they had a polygamous lifestyle. Unbeknownst to anyone joining, and I, he was he celibate. Covered, he covered that up. So this is the part that I have a problem with. If you want to have a harem of wives and everyone's on board and it's not illegal, go for it. Mm-hmm. But when you start a personal development program and tell everyone that you're celibate and you don't need to have sex because you're not attached, that's a lie. So the whole thing started on a lie, and then the people that joined didn't know that that was his lifestyle until much later. So the program itself started with celibacy? It didn't start with celibacy, but he he, he sold lied himself. and said that he was celibate. Wow. And the people that were around him teaching the curriculum were some of the people sleeping with him. So if he went to him and said, hey— is he sleeping with any of these people? They would lie for him. So a lot to of protect it, him. And these were people that were teaching the curriculum that we trusted. So in a lot of ways, the people around him had earned our trust, and we grossly under- underestimated their capacity to just lie and protect him for that long and keep that yeah. a secret. Why do you think it seems that in all these cults, women are always so much more susceptible to these men? Because even him, he started with all these women around him that were his— You're going to love the answer. Okay. Daddy issues. Oh. A lot of them. <laughs> also. I've been waiting all day. Well, also, she has. No, it's true. She it's has true. Oh, but also, <laughs> it's normally men targeting women like that. You don't see a lot of women targeting men in that in that way. Not in the same way. Not in the same way. It's always a man who cannot be with a woman in a straight exchange. Like, hey, you're cute. Can I get your number and take you out? Because he's not going to win her based on the merits of... Who he is as a person. Who he is as a person, maybe what he looks like, you know, um, his capacity for what women want, whatever that is. That's another conversation. It's a sense of power. He probably, these men usually have mommy issues. Oh, Oh, huge mommy issues. That's where it comes from. They must have mommy issues, so they need to feel that sense of power over the women. You nailed it. In, the, in in other terms, and I know you've spoken about this, about attachment styles, mm-hmm. right? So the, the man has bad attachment. David Koresh, um, Jim Jones, Keith Raniere, they all have these mom issues. It's totally true. And then they find these women who have unresolved daddy issues. And I, that's obviously not the, <laughs> the psychological term. But they don't, have, they don't have good relationships with their father. And then here comes a man who's mm-hmm. not attractive, so he's safe, right? Right. And it's not only that, but he's paying full attention to these women, wanting to know everything about their lives, making them feel so special. Cares about everything they say. 
right and looks you and like i'm not gonna do it now because it's, it's but creepy he, he'll do this right <laughs> it's creepy though isn't it yeah and he does it but you feel safe right mm-hmm. and then he might touch you in a certain way which i saw and i was like those are all things that are slow little lifts and little intimate exchanges that indoctrinate you slowly and slower and slower even his voice right and, and if seems- he's targeting you and you don't know it and you're open to it it's a hard thing for you to recognize and even right. not fall for. Okay, so how was this an MLM type of cult? Okay. Because it started as a wellness program and structure. So he actually had a multi-level marketing company in the 80s that was sort of like before Costco and Sam's Club where it was like a membership and you, you could buy stuff for, for cheaper with the membership. And that got shut down for being a pyramid scheme. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but he was he he basically had to agree to never start anything like that again, which he didn't, but he got other people to do it. So his name wasn't on the papers, but it was basically Nexium was set up with ESP as the education. So that was the product. That was the vitamins. That was mm-hmm. the skincare. And then people sold it in an MLM structure. So I got brought in and skipping ahead a little bit, and that became my job was to sell people the curriculum. And I got paid a commission. Right. And I could also train other people to do that. So that's how that's the structure of the pyramid. So you were yeah. literally in a pyramid scheme. Oh, yeah. But you were selling, selling you were product. selling trainings. Selling trainings. The sense of a better life and the sense of wholeness and you're basically selling like community. Yeah. It's hard now to process it because of where we are at at 2022 mm-hmm. with all the tools that we have available to us almost to the point of to, for free, like on mm-hmm. social media and everything like Absolutely. that. That's why it's so hard to process it. But you're right. 2005. Mm-hmm. is a different era. I'd, yeah. If someone no. started Nexium now, it wouldn't thrive. A, because people have seen enough cult documentaries <laughs> and they're like, mm, I have to wear a sash and call you Vanguard? Fuck that. There's other contexts that we've taken from other people who have been in this, these situations. And one person asked us, like, what year was this? And roughly it was like two, 99 to 2001 when I first did mine. And he was like, well, at the time, particularly kids at that age, the economy wasn't in the shape that it normally had been. And it's going on a little bit right now. And so entering the workforce into anything that felt like it was thriving and had purpose was pretty scarce. So it's very acute on people in that age who haven't had a, they feel like there's an economy or someplace that they could go, a structure they can go look at. It's a meritocracy and feel like they can thrive in it. Because there were things that I was evaluating at the time. This thing comes along. I take a training and it looks like it's addressing a lot of the things that I had personally had a problem with in the world. Like I didn't appreciate the leaders that we had at the time. I wanted a sense of purpose to address it. It's almost like what you see a lot of social justice warriors doing now. Mm -hmm. It's because the structures in place right now aren't thriving in the way that they feel like they can be a part of it. They're not welcoming in a lot of sense. And and the people they are welcoming to are somewhat limited. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, it's the perfect cocktail for what's this new idea, right? And you can see it going on in like the cult of the algorithm. You can see certain things going on like that where, you know, people then become hmm, what's this? And next thing you know, they're off and going down a rabbit hole. We've done some interviews where people have been indoctrinated into some right-wing stuff. And it was all through YouTube videos. Okay, let's be real. Between the pandemic and getting older and also being highly allergic to my cat, my health has always been something that I've been needing to prioritize, which is why I started taking AG1 
by Athletic Greens because I was just ready to get my health under control. And after doing a lot of research, basically their founder of Athletic Greens was going through a lot of his own medical issues and was going to different doctors, spending thousands of dollars and couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And that is kind of one of the reasons I got really fascinated with Athletic Greens. And that's also how he invented EG1. After checking out what the whole hype was about, I realized that EG1 is definitely worth the hype. I really feel a difference in my daily activities now, and it's so easy to incorporate it in your daily morning routine. I just take it with my breakfast in the morning and go about my day. All you do is take one scoop of EG1 and you're observing 75 high quality vitamins minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This bland of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and your aging. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need to go to a million doctors who are going to prescribe you millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. All you need is just AG1. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Violet Benson. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Violet Benson to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You're welcome. It seems like it was just summer and now we're already preparing for the holidays. And trust me, I know how expensive it gets because I buy myself a lot of gifts for the holidays. But thankfully now, you have Dave to help you get out of a pinch when you really need it. Dave is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. And between inflation and emergency expenses, we all know extra cash can really help. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So. If you're in a pinch and you need some extra help, download Dave today and think of it as a helping hand from future you. So download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply, banking provided by Evolve member FDIC. Future you will thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of that, but yeah. I think honestly, these day and age, people can call almost anything a cult, quote unquote, mm. when people get overly passionate about it. But obviously, it's not the same when you're actually being branded and you're part <laughs> of a real cult. Very true. Um, so Nexium was basically the illusion of self-help and the illusion of communities. Can you just walk me through the daily routine of an Nexium member? Sure. Yeah, so— this would be totally different depending on where you live yeah, and, and what level you were on the stripe path, like on the level of the different roles. How many levels are there? <laughs> I mean, they, they're endless, right. but the ones that actually— of course they're endless. They're, yeah. There's a white sash, so if you came and took a five-day violet, you get a white sash because you're a student. That's nice. If you brought in two people, <laughs> you'd get a yellow sash, like clash a little bit with your outfit. <laughs> then if you become a proctor, which is when you grow two coaches, then you become an orange sash. And then when you're green, which is a senior proctor, they called it the martial arts system for personal growth where you could measure the levels that you were on. So depending on your role in that, it'd be completely different. Do you but pay money for each sash or is it just you just have to complete something? To you, we have to pay money to complete the stuff and then you get the sash. 
Okay. Yeah. So you definitely had to pay a lot of money to go up the straight path and recruit people and learn how to teach. It sounds absurd now, just even hearing it after doing it. But philosophically, if you if you want your audience to understand like how it might happen, it's like, okay, I come into this place. In order for me to really understand my position, I have to duplicate myself to replace myself. How does one become a high-ranking member of Nexium? So each one of those levels has different criteria to hit. Enrollment, teaching ability. Personal issues. And your own personal issues. We each had different things that we were working on at all times emotionally. And so they would decide if you'd evolve that issue or not. That's the part where the real dependency comes in. Because if you buy into that, and I believe that the people above me knew better than me, that's where the right for abuse stuff happens because anything they say is true because they know better. If they say to me, hey, you're angry, I'm like, actually, I don't feel angry. Like, well, you're not in touch with your anger. So now I'm angry that I'm being told that I'm angry. Right. Right. And if I say anything defensive, then I'm for sure angry. So I just have to go, thank you for telling me that (laughs) feedback. Gaslight. So that's the type of gaslighting that occurs when you have someone above you who's in charge. Like we were talking a little bit about like, you know, like bullying at a workplace. If you have a manager who's in charge, anything they say goes because they're in charge. ESP, Executive Success, was the foundational course that most people took before they did anything else. And that's a 17-hour days. I would say more like 12 to 15. 12 to 15 hour days. Yeah. What is going on during those 12 to 15-hour days? Like, what's happening? Well, you'd be sitting in a circle like this. Imagine two more people and a coach leading you in a series of questions. You're having very deep philosophical discussions about your entire belief system. Good, bad, right, wrong, value, self-esteem, money, relationships, emotions. So there's a lot of these conversations. There'd be Nancy, the president of the school, on a video very similar to this big screen right here. And she'd be like, hi, I'm Nancy. Welcome to Executive Success Programs. Today, we are going to be talking about value. Whatever. She was really mm-hmm. annoying. And then you'd have a debrief, and then you'd have another discussion. So most of the classes were like that. There were practical classes, like Nippy was saying, about goals and time and, and just like how to live your life more effectively, like seven habits of highly effective people, things like that. Then there were emotional classes to help you. What? I'm like, that, those are things I talk about. <laughs> yes. It's so confusing. And this, what you guys are talking about right now, the 12 to 15 hours, mm-hmm. it sounds like all those weekend away that like people in LA, I know they go to like the mental health right. weekends. Right. So it's the same thing. Right. So that's why he created something that was a really, in fact, the five day if you were open and, like, really dove in, it was basically 15 hours of therapy for five days. You could right. get through a ton of shit. Mm-hmm. And at least for me, when I finished my first five days, like, I feel amazing. This is, I wanted all my friends to have it. I thought it was the most transformational thing. My mom's a therapist. My dad's a counselor. So I'm very open, right, to those things. So you're right. It is confusing. Your mom's a therapist. Mm-hmm. Does she know what you were going through? She knew from the beginning that it was not good. So in the beginning, she kind of told she, you, gave you, she, said something was yes, off? Yes, yeah. But mm-hmm. I'd already done enough curriculum to be defensive to To, to not trust was, therapists either. And also, they don't know any better. Yeah, and also she just didn't understand. She hadn't gone through it yet. Like, I really We thought, always had that. Like, you, just, you haven't done it yet, so you don't know. We were the doers, yeah. and we were, like, the face of it. And so I think they were happy to let that just happen. You guys are both considered high-ranked members. Do you have some guilt now, looking back, of all the people that you guys recruited? Or you just know that there's no point to live with guilt because you just didn't know any better and you were also tricked? I think we've both. Like, yeah. I think we've gone both. through different stages. There's been immense amount of guilt and pain, and, like, so much of what we do now is to— fix that. You know, we didn't know. We yeah, didn't. I, mean, I have somewhat of a philosophical yeah. maybe slash spiritual answer. I feel like there's a balance to the universe. I think um, we got pulled in some dark direction and didn't know it. 
And then once we saw the darkness, we made an immediate pivot to correct it and put light back in or homeostasis or equilibrium back into the universe. Um, as it pertains to guilt, I've, there's only one scenario where I feel like a little bit guilty because there's a friend of mine who had a, his brother in, and I was very, I'd say, aggr- I'd say aggressive and being like, stop doing what you're doing. This is a person who's Harvard MBA and had his own business, and he wanted to really be a part of something that was helping the world. I go, why won't you just join what we're doing? Yeah. And I feel like I was like, I got him off doing something good. And I was working with his brothers, like, we need him on our team in New York. And I was like, I just felt like, I felt like I was doing something right. And I look at the trajectory, I, I, my participation put his life in and he's still loyal. Still today. to this day. Um, wow. And so I've spoken to his parents and I said, look, he's just one person. I feel I want to spend my time and energy to correct that because he's a really smart guy, a really good guy. And I just think he's under the same con that we are and too prideful to make the pivot. So Nexium is still in a way going on? The classes aren't, but there's a community of people who are, they dance outside his prison. They go on social media and say that he's innocent and, and that the FBI planted stuff. I think it shows a lot of growth that you guys are able to admit your mistakes, take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because have as high-ranking yeah. members, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, because if you just sat here and you just said, I was a victim the whole time, I didn't no, know. And, no, I think, no, no. and I think that's also yeah. how you're able to separate bad people from good people because when you finally hit a point when you realize wait something's wrong you guys did the right thing where you decided to start taking a step away Mm -hmm. from it also you're going to make mistakes in life if you don't get the wisdom and knowledge that comes from your mistakes you're going to live a shitty life and you're going to have trauma in your life we all have trauma in our lives if we don't have it yet it's coming and this was kind of at least for me the way i saw it is like this is a major major event in my life that i can I had a hard time embracing it, but embraced and found, you know, our family motto is turn a negative into a positive and found the positive and certain lanes have opened up as a result of that. And just being vulnerable, honest with your mistakes, because everyone has it and you have to create an, an atmosphere and a culture where it's okay to make mistakes. You know, we didn't want to be on the vow per se. We didn't want to have our personal lives become other people's entertainment, you know, but it was also what we had to do to do the right thing. And I knew it was going to be painful for a little bit. And then I think here we are five years later, not in a cult. And our <laughs> biggest problems are getting our kids to school on time. Do you feel like so, in a way it would always, this thing will always be a part of you, a part of your identity? Yeah. Identity, yeah. no. It'll be part of our story. And we get to write the rest of it. I love that. Right? Yeah. So how we participate and how we author it and how we do that thing is totally in our control in ways that it didn't feel that way before and we didn't know why. I really want to give people the template that I didn't have in 2005 and the whole point of what we're doing now, we're not going around pointing at like gurus or people saying you're a cult or you're bad like the person we were talking about earlier. That's not what we're trying to do. We want to give people ideas of concepts that if you're experiencing in a group, you can decide whether you want to be part of it or Mm -hmm. not. Right. You know, and you can go in and go, okay, listen, I want to get this out of it, but I need to know in advance that this person uses these tactics and these tactics put together is what equals a cult. So we have the love bombing where you come in and you're made to feel special and feel like you're connecting and that you're part of a family. That's a tactic. That's a recruitment tactic. 
right? Then once you're there, isolating you from other people so you have no one else to talk to. That's a tactic. It's not just your social community. It's like your business and your kids are in school. Like it's everything's a mesh. So they can't actually physically leave. So mm-hmm. there's that dependency. So those are like just some of the things that we want people to have like an internal Sensi- ch- sensitivity yeah. to. Look, in the end of the day, people are not going to see what they need to see until they're ready to see it. And that's right. the truth. So even your friend who's so intelligent and you think you would know better, at this moment, he believes what he believes. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. He has to learn his own lessons, yep. just like you guys had to yep. hit a point that you said something's off, which now this is where Nexium really stands out. People had to be branded, mm-hmm. which is insane to think about that. But I'm sure in a way they weren't telling you that you're going to no. be branded. It was probably like a love mark. Or something. Yeah. So then is that the point that kind of hit that you were like, something's weird? Even before that, there was so many steps that led up to that. So that's my point is that like I had rapport with the people. I trusted them. The person who brought me in was my bridesmaid well, and my also, maid of honor. They lied you, to you about what they were bringing they li- you with. So and, that's yes, a key. But I was supposed to join a sisterhood, a badass bitch boot camp where I was going to work through my goals at a heightened level with my best friends. And I was going to go through an initiation process. It was going to be really cool. And I was going to get a tattoo and it was going to be really bonding. Right. right? So again, they were targeting <laughs> the women in this yes, group. Yes, this so is the women. In 2015, they created a woman-only subgroup with Nexium called Correct. DOS, DOS, which loosely translates to Master over the slave women. Were you aware that that was a translation? No, we weren't allowed to know what it meant. Okay. There, a lot of things were kept from us. And anytime I asked a question about anything, I was told that I was being controlling, which is the issue that I was working on in Nexium. The issue of women in general. Yeah. <laughs> also, also true. Yeah. <laughs> Ding. So this was a secret society. Were you allowed to tell your husband? No. Because I wasn't allowed to tell anyone outside the group. Because once you told him, that's also when for him, it said, ding, 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 something's off. I found out about what was going on with the sex stuff, which was when I decided to tell my husband. So it was myself and Mark Vicente. He was the person who recruited me. He was also the person who helped me get out. And he had a certain set of understanding of what was happening behind closed doors, and I knew about the branding. Mm -hmm. And together, when we finally had an open conversation under an NDA, which he made me sign, (laughs) we were like, Holy fucking shit. This is really bad. Like, this is actually sex trafficking. Because people had given nude photos as collateral. Collateral had been going on for five years in Nexium. People right. were putting down collateral against achieving goals as, like, a motivation. So Got people it. had given collateral to hear about this thing. And we realized that that was being leveraged for other women to have sex with them. That didn't happen with me. Let it be known. But other women were getting that assignment to go seduce Keith. So even though you were hesitant... What was the final wording that kind of convinced you, okay, fine, you're right. Like, I want to be part of this. I'm going to do it. I had made a vow of obedience to Lauren, to the woman who brought me in, my so-called best friend. So once I was at that point, a lot of things had happened where I I had said, I've committed, I've committed, I've committed. So now I'm gaslighting myself. Yeah. Right. I'm. I'm telling myself that if I if I run, if I choose the back door, I'm not strong. Right. I'm, I'm going to fail. My, up? I'm giving up. I'm failing my sisters. Um, I'm the I'm the highest rank in this group. If I don't do it, a you're letting everyone else letting down. everyone down. I, I won't be promoted in the other system. Right. Because that was being leveraged against me. Lauren was the head of all the promotions. <laughs> so it's like a lot of things were happening at once, and my collaterals at risk. And then I'll just show you what it looked like. This is like six months later. That's its keloid. <gasps> Wow. Yeah. And so this line was faded, but it was a K. Did you have an idea? Did you have an idea it would look like this? Like no, not a scar I was the, looking versus no. thinking it's a tattoo? No, not till the not till the night of. 
How did they do this? With a cauterizing pen. Dragged across the screen. And no anesthetic. No numbing. Imagine your skin being sliced open by a small, thin laser. And who did this on you? A woman named Dr. Danielle Roberts. Who wasn't a real doctor. She was a real doctor. She was. Yes, her license has since been taken away. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Was there an audience or was it one by one? It was me and five other women, and it was filmed. Okay, I was waiting for that. That was my question. Okay, I don't know how to explain it, but there's so much sex involved in pain mm-hmm. though when when you were telling me this in my brain i was thinking i wonder if this was filmed for like his pleasure yeah oh 100 percent. it was filmed as pleasure and for more collateral on me so that i wouldn't speak about it yeah but it's just to watch these women sacrifice themselves for you regardless yes. of what they had to do to get you to do yeah. it in my in my brain to watch this on film it's like the power yes and also that they don't know yeah that, you, that you're behind it as a man we thought this was a women's group we didn't know that keith was involved i didn't know i was getting his initials on my body that's one of the main reasons i was so fucking livid when i found out i was told this was a symbol for the ma- four elements the mountains air water some bullshit you can't see the kr unless you know it's there and you look in the mirror Wow. It's a secret. It was meant to be a secret. It's next level, fucked up, psychotic, crazy shit. It was like, obviously horrific. It was very, very painful. I disassociated. I didn't, I didn't stay present when I've since talked to other victims who were, you know, raped in their cults or, you know, things much worse than this. It's, it's the same physical, uh, I wouldn't say much worse because then you'd be minimizing your experience. Thank you for saying that. And I tend to do that. So what, with, with that experience of disassociating, that's how I got through it. But I thought at the time that I would done something strong. Right. So it wasn't even the night of the branding that made me wake up. It was finding out weeks later that it was his initials and finding out it was sex. Like the branding itself actually fueled me at first. But I came home that night and I wanted to tell him so badly and I couldn't. We were just very separate at the time, and that was right. part of the design mm. of the group, too. I think yeah. I mean, been... those, those are the forces that were tugging at us. We had well, a you, only need, you only could have one man in your life, right. I think, in a way, with Keith. Because if you tell your partner, of course your partner's going to be like, something's off. Mm. But like now, at this point, it feels like you don't get me then. Yes. Mm. So, yes. You, you are an empath. You get it. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. I was like, you don't, like, you don't understand. You don't know how tough I am. That's so how that, I felt. Right, because you were so proud of yourself. Now mm. you're trying to shame you for something mm. that you overcame. So then... When you f- saw this, what was your thoughts? Um, By the way, you guys, I'm anyone that's listening to the audio, not watching the video. I'm basically looking at her book that she has. If you want to promote your book right now, sure, it's my book. It's called Scarred. 
the true story of how I escaped Nexium, the cult that bound my life. And that's the, the brand. But I, I want to tell you what I did with it. But I'll let you finish here. Okay. Yeah. So you, you you finally see this. Um, my first thought was, I'm going to go grab a baseball bat. Right. And I'm going to go find this guy. And I wanted to go handle it that way. That was my first thought. And I was like, okay, I can't go handling my problems that way. And it makes me no better than him. In a lot of ways, he wins because he becomes even more of a hero. So I had to kind of have conversations with Sarah, Mark, uh, about how to strategize how to handle this. I went up to Albany. I went in and did. He did a mic drop. Yeah, I went in and yelled at him. You branded my fucking wife. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm taking this shit fucking down. I did a whole kind of like cowboy thing. Okay. <laughs> but it was a little bit more strategic because I wanted them to know I was leaving. Yeah. And know that I'm not someone you can come talk to anymore. And that was more to protect her. And it was more to get my wife and kid, two-year-old at the time, turning three, five days later, out of harm's way. It was the first and foremost. Um, then we had to go up. I had to pack up our place. Move. I had like a lot of th- logistical things I had to take care of too and deal with what happened. So right after I went in and did what Sarah calls my mic drop, I went home, packed up our place, met her in Toronto, and then we had to regroup from there. Were people actually scared or? If they weren't, they were after I did what I did because I was letting them know this is. You, and, couldn't, you couldn't leave. Like you, if you left on good terms with Nexium, it was fine. But if you left and you were upset, you'd get sued. They'd be on you to like shut you down and and suppress the whistleblowers. By the way, at the time of the branding, I was completely sleep-deprived. was not sleeping properly because I was getting woken up in the middle of the night to respond to a text and then find a bunch of other people <laughs> to get them to respond to the text. Ridiculous. I know that sounds insane, but we were not, like, in our right minds for about at least three months. One thing I think is interesting about Nexium is that Keith wasn't the only one imprisoned. Nexium has mm-hmm. so many yeah, yeah, so things to dive into. There's the president, Nancy Salzman. And yes. then there's Allison Mack, who was in prison for DOS. And then Claire Bronfman, who's the millionaire heiress of the Bronfman family, who was bankrolling a lot of it. This is, I think, what's always surprising to anyone in general. A lot of these cults, men are victims of it as well. Mm-hmm. But in a, if sometimes it feels like a little different of the the way they're victims. With women, a lot of times it feels sexual and belittling and, and kind of to make them inferior and quote-unquote slaves. So it's always fascinating when suddenly you see women in power allowing other women mm-hmm. to be branded and to do all that because it also makes them feel powerful. Right. And even Children of God now, they've rebranded the group. And even though the, the leader of children of God passed away, his wife took over and his wife, Maria, Maria, renamed the cult and she molested her son who then committed suicide from all that stuff. So it's always shocking to me when I then see women taking advantage of, because usually you you think Mm -hmm. men Mm -hmm. love power. Women love power too. Why do you think some of these women decided to kind of take it as far as Keith? Is it because he made them feel so special? I, I think that's part of it. I don't think they had the same malevolent plans as he did, I think that they thought truly that what they were doing was going to help people. And this was just a... So it never clicked. Here's a here's a caveat that, that changes everything. There was a thing in Nexium called the ethical lie. Mm. And this is how all of they... They can always excuse their behavior because they're th- they think they're doing the right thing. Let me give you an example. I know you're Jewish, as am I. There was, this, there was a metaphor that they used. They called it the Jews in the basement. And they said, in the Holocaust, and if, if the SS officers are knocking on the door and you were Polish and you had Jews in the basement, do you tell them the truth or do you save, save a life and lie? 
right? So the Jew in the basement metaphor was used throughout Nexium. So they believe that that's the saving Keith and protecting him and lying for Keith is the equivalent of protecting Jews in the basement in the Holocaust. So I believe that she thought she was doing the right thing, but she did horrific things and illegal things. That's why she's in jail. I look at people that don't allow the fact that Keith abused and has victims. It's because if they admit that those other people were abused and are victims, they have to do it for themselves. Yeah, and that I think, can be very hard. I think that's really what they're protecting. It's too hard for them to take all that in. I, I get it. It's a huge I totally get shit it. Sandwich. Like It's a hard, like, I, when this happened, I was like, oh, my God. I went through all the scenarios of people are like, sounds like a cult, and was like, arrogant. Like, no, yeah. it's not a cult. Like, I'd eat my humble pie. Right, because like, it's like it'll happen to everyone else. Like, it would never happen internationally. to me. <laughs> I'm not a victim. No, right. I mean, yeah. But also in a curriculum where the first tenant was there's no victims. Right. The very first tenant of our 12-point mission statement is there There are no victims. And what is, what is, how does it go? I blocked there it no out. There are no ultimate victims. Therefore, I'll not choose to be a victim. Yeah. So the whole choice thing, like, yes, I can choose happiness. I make choices in my life. Great concept. It's a major tenant of the wellness, right? Yeah, it's literally what I talk about. Right. If you're believing that and I'm a sociopath, I can always say you're choosing as I'm abusing you. Oh. Also, if you come right? to me and I'm abusing you and you're calling me out in my abuse, I can say something like, well, are you a victim to me? Like, sounds like you're being a victim to me right now. You might want to look at that. Flipped, yeah. it, flipped it right back on you based on the belief system that you've agreed to, which it's is really more hard. abuse. It's, it's confusing yes. because it kind of puts me, because mm -hmm. everything mental health people, when they try to help people, mm -hmm. it sounds a lot of the language is so similar. It it's, is. it's worrisome. Wh but. Which is why the sociopaths have kind of infiltrated got their tentacles that. into that system because they recognize. It's a taking advantage of yes. people right. versus trying to help yes. them. And how do you know the difference? Wait, how many yeah. women were branded? Somewhere between 20 and 30, we don't know exactly, but over 100 were recruited into it. And then by the time we whistle blew, that, that stopped the next round of branding. So you guys are one of the main reasons why for the downfall of Nexium. Yeah. Five weeks after one of the top enrollers and a center owner complains about being branded by the head person, right? Which ought to send any corporation, any company into human resources going, hold on a second, what happened? Let's figure out what happened here. Right. That's a normal response. Claire Bronfman gets on her private jet, flies out to Vancouver to have my wife arrested for fraud and mischief. Didn't happen. You have to understand the arrogance of, oh, there's a problem? I'll go litigate it. And she must have known that she could have done that through handling their previous problems, right? right. But what she didn't really think, and this is where her arrogance was her down, is once they dragged us into that fight, we had to arm up. It was an arms race at that right. point. We had to find a lawyer, $10,000 we didn't have. We had to get dragged into this thing, right? And when we got dragged into this thing and the New York Times came to us and wanted to know our story, we gave them our story. Right. So right? they shot so, themselves in the yes. foot yes. on accident. Yes. They're all arrogant. They and have they ego and pride and arrogance built in already. So their reign of dominance, whatever it is, is always limited because of that. Your arrogance is usually your downfall. Yes. So were you actually arrested? No. No. No, the, the police no. investigated. And it was it was, it was completely a, trumped up. The, the the mischief was that I took over the Facebook group. <laughs> they were like, that's not, that's not illegal. <laughs> like, I kicked Claire Brofman off the, so I could control the community and, and control communications. And warn them. And the theft was that I kept all the student files. I didn't give them to her as she demanded because in there was their credit card information, their addresses, their worst secrets, the worst—the yeah. intake sheet for doing this five-day is what's the worst decision of my life. 
Yeah. What's the worst moment of my life? If I had that information on you, I could blackmail you. Yeah. So. That's really interesting that their downfall was their own mm-hmm. arrogance. That's actually— And they kept doubling down on it. Hmm. Even when text messages and video and audio recordings were coming out showing their lies to them. The trial was worse. We were dumbfounded at all the things that were going on behind the scenes. Way worse. Because you were still so blinded by everything. But we that, didn't, yeah. when we got, when we got into this fight, we felt like, oh my God, we're about to get in a fight with the biggest guy in you the weight room scared. with the yeah. biggest muscles and we're about to get pounced. Yeah. Right? But we didn't know the whole time we were going to win this thing in a landslide. But we, then I would have been a lot better off. <laughs> yeah. We just didn't know that. We were like, holy shit. The this FBI is- got so much evidence. It was it was crazy. Yeah. And they didn't think the FBI was going to come after him. And we think for other reasons, we think that Keith and Claire had bought protection from the government. I mean, but we don't know. Probably. So. What, allegedly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> were you guys relieved when other people started to come out and kind of be on your side? Yes. Oh, such a relief. Yeah. When people would call us, and especially ones that stayed in after and, like, wouldn't talk to us or shunning us. And then mm-hmm. eventually they'd call and be like, hey, shit, sorry. sorry. Yeah. I believe you. And yeah. we laughed and— Keith the douche, and we'd laugh and water under the bridge. When did you decide to try to remove your brand? brand? Coming up on three years now, and I met a plastic surgeon through a friend of mine, and I realized I'd been delaying it because I didn't want to have that consult where I was like, so this, like, I didn't even know how to explain it. And I had a friend in the industry who knew a plastic surgeon, and she did the explaining for me. And I showed up, and she, I'd, like, whitened it. It had gotten much more flat and white than this, but I could still see KR when I looked in the mirror. And I I just didn't want that on my body. Yeah. So they literally, like, cut out a square around it and then sewed it back up. So it's just a line now. It's very faint. Like, you you wouldn't Do you still have that memories every time you look at that line, or you just try to think nothing of it? I mean, making lemonade— moment I just look at it and feel my strength like that's what I have to for my own mental well-being it means something very positive to me now yeah I think being able to speak about it kind of it does show Mm. uh your strength because it's the shame happens when you keep things a secret that's Mm -hmm. why they want you to keep things a secret but once you say something out loud that's usually when you set it free and then the shame's gone and then that's where you become the hero of your story. So I think that's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate your em- empatheticness because oh. I, I feel like you really feel like you go on a feeling journey with the person and that allows <laughs> you to be like, I get that. And I'm I'm feeling you feel it. So that's oh. why I was like, yeah. I was well, like, I really <laughs> want to understand. I yeah. mean, that's important. Yeah, I mean, this interview, interviews like this, especially since I can't relate, it's important for me to kind of put myself in the other person's shoes. Mm -hmm. And also it's important for me because you never know if one day, if I don't pay attention, something like that can Mm -hmm. happen to me just Mm -hmm. in a different way. The cult of one. Cult of one is usually where it happens in a relationship with one person who's basically like we call them mini Keiths. Are there any people right now that you feel like should be in jail that are not? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think they will get what's coming to them, or do you think they're— Life is always right. If it's not justice to the justice system, the universe has laws of cause and effect and and a balance to it. And I think even if they don't go to jail, they're in their own prison. I like that. That's a really good way of looking at things. You can fuck your entire life up believing something is true that's not. That's a beautiful saying. I agree with that. I like that I'll a lot. take the fuck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are able, obviously, to sleep at night knowing these people didn't get what's coming for them. Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're okay with just moving with your life. It's not like every oh, day you sit well, up and you're let like, me, no, Let me back up. These are, let well, me back I, up. I these are them. former friends of ours. If yeah. I could press a button and have them 
be relieved of the prison that they're in, I'd press it in a heartbeat. Aww. I would love to see them go out and thrive in the world. But I think as long as they have this belief system that Keith is other than who he's been proven to by the highest court in human history um, that they're calling foul on, then that's a prison of their own. And I, I don't like seeing that. But we want them in a thrive. lot of ways, Aww. you know, they're, they're targeting victims. We're on the other end of that sometimes. And that just has, that's poor form. It's, it's, it has its own karma in it, right? And I don't like being on the on the other end of it. I certainly don't like seeing Sarah on the other end of it. So I'd like that to stop. And I'd yeah. like them to go back and, and and figure their lives out. And Sarah and I have said if we ever saw them, we'd say I f- we forgive them. And hug them. Aww. They wouldn't want to hug us, but well, maybe but, one day. Well, but I hold we're, out the, hope. we're the enemy for, for erroneous reasons, right? Like, and, and to my earlier point, if Claire Bronfman had come to them and gotten them to arm up, and go to court and pay a court, like they would have followed the exact same steps that we would. We were dragged into this. We didn't go into this thinking, hey, we're going to take Nexium down and do a documentary that exposes our personal lives or anything. That wasn't what we set out to do. Yeah. But we had to do that. And those are the best decisions we had in front of us at the time. I would have loved to have gone back and, you know, have my kid and my family and my life and not deal with any of that. But, you know, we were dragged into it. And so for them to say, we destroyed the company, and we were like, yeah, we did. <laughs> right. You're Fucking welcome. Fucking rights we you're were. That's what, I, that's what I was trying to do. You branded my wife, and, you're, and you're, you're calling it, like, personal and professional development. Listen, personal and professional development doesn't involve branding people with your initials in any course load on right. this planet Earth. Do you think the people that are currently in jail for it got exactly the time— they deserve. All I know is that I really trust our judge, and I feel like he was, had a very fair sense of who was a master manipulator, who was a victim, who was a victim who also did illegal things and needs to be held accountable. It's very complicated, I and I just trust him. I don't believe the world is a safer place with Allison Mack in prison. I had a decent relationship with her. I liked her, and while she was a part of these abusive things, I think she—it's hard to say things to justify what was going on, but I think she was abused. Of course, yeah. And, and I think her in jail doesn't address her trauma and oh, the abuse that she had. I don't think it really does sad. that, yeah. right? Right. And, and, and our justice system isn't really set up to do that. But I think more than anything, Allison Mack could have used a good therapist to get her back on her feet than three years in jail. Right. Right, because that's not going to solve or it help anything. It doesn't help it. I think she needs to understand. It's more and, she kind of yeah. became the face of it. Yes. And, yes. and, the, it, and that the, sucks. I hate seeing that. And to Claire Bronfman, she's still paying Keith's legal fees in prison. She's still paying for everything. And this is a person that's in jail because of her support of him. And so to me, I just don't know what that looks like. And that's a concern of mine. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. No one will ever be able to fully understand this experience. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Without being part of it or also just in this interview, I can't get to all the questions. Is there anything else that you wanted to add that I may have missed? I think a lot of people know people who are in something and they don't know what to say or do. And it's not necessarily as intense as Nexium, but even if it's just like a CrossFit that's gotten a little bit too <laughs> involved, in, you know, they're, they're putting their lives into something in a way that might be unhealthy. It's not a full cult you know what I mean? But there there's dynamics of abuse that are problematic and they don't know how to address it. So I think— that it's important to not go around telling people that they're in a cult because that just pushes them away. Right. And to stay close and be empathetic and ask ask questions like, wait, so how much did you pay for that course? Oh, wow, that seems like a, a lot of money. Did you feel like you got value out of it? Whatever it is, being genuinely curious and trying not to be outwardly judgy. And also, I think 
a nugget that I want people to take away from our journey is that if you have, if you're entering something new and you feel that intuitive, this isn't right for me, don't let anyone tell you that that's just your fear talking or just your resistance talking, that you need to trust that because that's, Mm -hmm. we have those built-in survival mechanisms for a reason and to listen to it. And if you're not sure, don't go to the group for more information. Go outside the group. Yeah. And and research it. And if if there's people online and there's communities or podcasts about that particular group and there's a bunch of survivors of that group or whatever it is saying this was bad and this bad thing happened to me, chances are, even if 10% of it's true, that something where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because all of the groups can say, but look at all the good things we're doing. Mm-hmm. Even there's people to this day dancing outside of Keith's prison and making, they're going to other podcasts too and saying, but the methodology helped me cure Tourette's. The methodology helped me with my life. And I'm never saying that's not true. All that right. good stuff happened. We have to talk about the bad. Okay. Both, right. so, both things can exist. Both things can exist. Yeah. And when you shroud something in goodness and you're not willing to look at the bad, that's where it can become very problematic. So I, I encourage people to go research and do their own due diligence. Don't just throw yourself into some group because it feels good. I think it's important to always ask yourself if you're not allowed to criticize something that yes. you're doing, that's usually the red flag. And final point, the content and wisdom we have from our experience isn't proprietary to cults, meaning the abuses of power that go on in like the cult hierarchy are the same ones that go on right. outside. So getting sensitive to the ones in the cults means you're really getting sensitive to the ones that go on in other domains. And so it helps people take oh, that I wouldn't fall for a cult thing out of out of the cult world and puts it into practical uses so it can inform you to make just better decisions in your life. Well, I always say people, people go everywhere around trying to find someone to believe in and people will believe almost in anything else uh-huh. except themselves. And it's always so baffling to me. It's like if only you used all that time and just put it into yourself and believed in yourself and picked yourself up. You don't need other people to help you. Pick, pick you up. Totally agree. I mean, obviously you need other people, but in general, you should put yourself first. That's my view. So anyway, guys, <laughs> um, before we close off, where can people find you? So we are Sarah Edmondson on Instagram and Anthony, Anthony Ames, Ames, not Nippy. But he goes by Nippy. <laughs> Nippy. <laughs> Nippy. We're on a little bit culty on Instagram and we have a website and occasionally on Twitter. And, and my book's on Audible. And also in hard copy, but it seems like archaic. I also have a bunch of resources. If anyone's looking at this and going, am I in a cult? On my website, sarahedbinson.com slash resources are a bunch of videos and other podcasts and resources to things like hashtag I got out, which is a movement where people are sharing their stories to get through that shame that we spoke about. And there's a healthy community, a not culty community of people trying to support each other in this post-cult space. Yeah, that is, I think that is the most important part. The word shame and the feeling of shame, that is so important. So if you're feeling something's wrong, speak up, talk to someone. As long as you feel those emotions of shame, it will just grow in you and the more you will feel alone. I think that's the most important part. Always, it will set you free if you just speak to someone. You won't feel that emotion anymore. And somebody outside the group. Somebody outside the group (laughs) of whatever you're experiencing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you guys so much for joining in. Don't forget to tune in to my episode with them on their podcast, Olivia Colty, and DM them, follow them, subscribe to their podcast. Let me know if you have any questions. Reach out to them as well. And I'll see you guys next week. Ciao.